episode 280 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is your Tuesday edition, and I am Paul Sporer, joined as always on Tuesdays by Eno Saris. Eno, today's the day, right? Today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day you talk to Adrian Beltre? Yes, or I die because I touched him on that. <laughs> that should be your opener. Walk up behind him <laughs> and like slowly start massaging his head or something super creepy. I would I wouldn't recommend that, but maybe maybe that's the tactic. You got to go stop stop being polite and just invade his personal space as much as you can. Hopefully you get to talk to him, uh, but I doubt he'll have anything as interesting to say as Joey Votto did about his pants, which are in <laughs> fact tighter, as as we suggested. Yeah, and and you know what. That's somewhat uh, somewhat meaningful to the piece in the end. <laughs> Absolutely. I was Absolutely. like, am I just putting this in there because it was, a, it was a weird exchange that was kind of funny? And then I said, ah, no way. No, I liked it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> uh, that was a great piece, by the way. You got Folks have to read that Joey Votto piece. Votto's a beast and uh, having an amazing season. But we're not here to talk about hitters today. It's all pitchers. Last time out. We discussed our 25 and under hitters that we're looking at as, you know, guys to target in the offseason for trades, you know, guys that we hope we already have on our roster, kind of foundational, maybe next level guys for next year. So uh, with no way we could get through all of it and cover pitchers. We kind of knew that coming in. So we had to break the pitchers off into their own uh, show. But that's actually better for you all because it's going to get a lot more pitchers discussed. So, again, we're looking at guys. You know, 25 and under for next year, who are also, you know, attainable is a, you know, tough word to say because it really depends league to league. But we're not talking about the automatic cream of the crop here, like Jose Fernandez, because in just about any league, it's going to be cost prohibitive to trade for him, even as great as he is, especially with a pitcher, a pitcher who's already been hurt. So we're talking about guys who, yeah, you're going to have to pay for, but. They could definitely out-earn that value, even even if you pay a, a handsome price for them. Uh, and we're going to start with with one of the Mets that uh, you know has been drawing all the attention this year. Well, he hasn't been drawing all of it lately, but uh, his teammate Matt Harvey has. I'm talking about Noah Syndergaard, Thor, if you will. They've all got cute little nicknames over there on the Mets. I think Thor is probably the the best one though. Um, Thor's hammer is devastating. He's had a 3.39 ERA and a 110 WHIP, with 145 strikeouts in 135 and one-third innings this year for Syndergaard. You know he has a 21% strikeout minus walk rate. That's fantastic. Couple flies in the ointment though. 4.47 ERA on the road, 5.37 ERA in the first inning, and an 8.80 ERA in the sixth inning. So some 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 clear issues. Uh, First off, the road in general, although it's gotten better, I think, as the season's gone on, it, it started really rough. Uh, the start of games and then kind of finishing them, so so getting getting deep in there and, and moving past the sixth inning has been a bit of a challenge for Syndergaard. But everything else, there's a lot to love. What's your, what's your read on him going into next year? You know, I think probably one of the um, things that the sixth inning is about is the fact that his – Fastball is a little straight, actually, and um, you know it is. It's a big fastball, and one of the biggest in the league. So um, you know that overcomes a lot of it. It has some rise too, which is nice um, against same-handed hitters. 
Um, but in terms of like sync, you know, the sinker doesn't have as much fade um, as a normal sinker, and it doesn't have as much drop. And um, I wouldn't say that his his fastballs are super bendy. I mean, just in general, they're pretty straight. And I guess what happens is that you know people start to try and time up his uh, his his fastball, and uh, and maybe you know maybe he does need that fifth pitch in that slider. Um, I would say in general, though, I don't have a uh, I don't have a bone to pick with him. You know, it's like. Uh, I don't think the command is that bad. Uh, I don't think it's bad even. Um, I don't either. I, I think that uh, he'll get a handle on that Warthen slider uh, eventually, um, and get that velocity up to about the same as the changeup. Because the the Mets throw this thing called the Warthen slider, which is um, almost like a cutter. They, they they throw it in their fingers instead of in the palm. They they're not as concerned about movement as they are with making it look sort of like a fastball and then having late movement. Um, and, De, you know, DeGrom is, and, and Har- Harvey's the real story. I mean, Harvey, Harvey learned the Worth Insider and, and took off. And DeGrom uh, uses it too. Familia uses it. So there's a lot of the guys that are doing well in that, in that, in that staff are, are, you know, are using the Worth Insider. Syndergaard has used it in a couple games. It hasn't quite worked, on, worked out for him yet. Um, in terms of like whiffs, whiff rate's good, but he's only thrown 86. I don't even know if that number is correct. That might be some misclassified curves. Um, so you know, it, it's a little bit hard to to tell that slider because it doesn't have a ton of movement. And um, maybe you know, you could you could definitely like a slower one. You could definitely think was a, a harder curve. So uh, I'm not sure if he needs that. But it, I mean, if you just ask me, the 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 changeup and the curve are great. And, you know, a year in Las Vegas uh, made him throw the changeup more. And I think that was great for it because now it's an above-average changeup in every facet of the game. It's, it's got more velocity gap. Even though it's 89 miles an hour, it's got a lot of velocity gap, which is amazing. And, um, and it's got uh, more horizontal movement and more drop, than, or at least average drop. So um, I think he's got everything you need. And the only thing that I guess I would worry about at all is that there was a little bit of forearm soreness or tenderness um, in the minors. Mm-hmm. A little bit of, um, you know, there's a decent amount of breaking balls he's throwing, and uh, he throws really hard, and there's there's a little bit of a correlation there between that and Tommy John. But Tommy John is, I mean, <clears throat> it's a reality now for almost every pitcher. So uh, it's really hard to, to, to say – especially that he's going to have it in the next couple of years. I mean, you can almost say of any pitcher, they're going to have Tommy John sometime. Um, the, the question is, if he, is he close? I don't know. He's young. You know, he hasn't, he's, there's no huge innings gaps if you believe in that sort of stuff. Um, you know, it, it, the breaking ball usage is a little bit high, but he is not, it's not over 30%, which is sort of the number I use. Yeah. Usually the danger zone for me too. I mean, yeah, that's the thing The all the, all the signs could add up nicely and it, and it could still happen. A guy can have all the danger signs and, and, and avoid it. I mean, it's, it's just a workplace hazard. Like you're saying, especially for a guy who throws that hard too. I, I'm, you know, I'm done kind of running away from it all the time. I'll just take the talented, you know, pitchers get hurt. I take the talented ones, the most talented ones and, and, you know, hope everything works out. So, Maybe Syndergaard, 
you know, and when it comes to like mechanics and stuff on the, maybe on the fringes, I'll, I'll, I'll take that into concern. Like Alex Wood, you know, to some extent what's going on this year has to be somewhat related to his mechanics. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, his, his arm slot is dropping the chain, the, 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 the movement on his pitches is changing and he probably wouldn't do that if he was healthy and, and repeating his delivery well. And, and, you know, we could see that. On the on the and then like a guy like Colin McHugh maybe who throws like 45 percent breaking balls. I mean, Rich Hill is not a keeper; he's thirty five years old. But uh, you know, if Rich Hill was was twenty five, I might say forty five percent curves. Are you kidding me? Um, so you know, on the fringes, I, I I will actually take it into account. But you know, there's nothing that Syndergaard is is fringe on. You know, there's there's, there's nothing that leaps out the page on you. You watch him pitch; it's it's nice and fluid, you know, fluid enough for a guy who throws 99 and, you know, the command numbers have always been good and, you know, yeah, yeah he's I think fantastic. He's, I'll take the risk. He's worth, uh, he's worth pointing up for if there's anybody, because if you're like, you know, there's a lot of leagues where you're going to try and get a, like a Louis, Lucas Giolito or um, a Julio Urias and it, you try to get those guys. And you might have to pay almost as much as you have to pay for Noah Syndergaard exactly. because their owner is convinced that they are going to be Noah Syndergaard. Well, you know, the, the likelihood of that is actually about 60% that he's not, that those two are not going to be Noah Syndergaard. And Noah Syndergaard, even though he's only thrown 135 innings, has shown us enough, especially when it comes to swing strikes, velocity. Uh, actually, at 135 innings, everything is pretty much stable. So he's, he's had the, he's legitimately had the season he's had. And then you watch him and you're like, okay, uh, this guy's for real. Absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, that's a great point with regard to those, the Uber prospects. They almost get treated, like you said, on par with guys who've already done something because everyone wants to have the next big thing. Syndergaard's already been the big thing. They want the next one. I would definitely go out and try to get Syndergaard. I'd also try to go out and get this next guy, even though uh, his main concern that, that I've always shared for him is still there, but um, when you're putting on a lot fewer batters, it's it's not as big of an issue. And it's it's kind of something that happens to power pitchers. Danny Salazar is actually, uh, I guess he, he is going to be 26 next year. So when I did the 25, it got a guy. I should have done only 24 and under because then everybody next year will be 25. So this guy, Salazar, sneaks in as a, as a 26-year-old next year. But I still think he's somebody that, you know, you, you, can, you can get. You know, it's not going to be overpriced, I don't think, in, in most leagues. And you're looking at somebody with a 348 ERA, 100, uh, 1.12 whip, 182 strikeouts in 168 one-third innings. The homers are still an issue at 1.2 per nine, but again, Allowing a lot fewer base runners. Those aren't as damaging. He has cut the fly ball rate from 42% to 37%. So that uh, that can help. I, I think it's a problem that down the line can be corrected. And, and Salazar's mid-20s could be really amazing. Because this is still really good, even with a bit of a home run issue. Imagine if he can bring that below one, what Salazar might be able to do. Yeah, and you know, I, for what it's worth, I think... A pitching mix change uh, is somewhat uh, at heart here. It doesn't look like a big deal because he only shifted about four percent, five percent of his, uh, you know, overall mix from sliders to curves. Uh, but um, if you look at his history, the slider has gone for home runs more than anything, 
And you've almost got basically like a Kevin Gossman type where he's got the velocity, he's got decent command, he's got movement, he's got a great, great split change that you know gets a whiff more than a quarter of the time despite having thrown it almost a thousand times in his career so far. You know, this is a that's a that's a, a great plus out pitch combined with great, you know, two two good fastballs that don't actually get hit for homers that much compared to the general population. You look at the slider, you know, 1.6% of his sliders will go for homers. That's more than twice any of his other pitches. Um, so, you know, he goes from a slider that uh, goes like about the same velocity as his changeup, and instead of throwing that one that gets battered around, he's now throwing a slower curve, and that not only you know, extends uh, batters from about 98 to 78, um, which is a huge 20-mile-an-hour, you know, range that they have to cover. Uh, but the curve, I think, looks uh, different, more different than the slider and, and uh, you know, from this fastballs. And, you know, changes can do change sort of eye levels and approach, you know, uh, a little bit more than that slider. So I don't know exactly why the slider's been so bad. If he's hanging them, I know I found some evidence that he hangs the splitter sometimes. With the splitter, you know, you don't really know where it's going. So um, I think you, by definition, you kind of hang some sometimes because what you're doing is you're, you're splitting your fingers around the, the, the ball and you're destabilizing the spin axis. So that means it's going to do something you didn't really plan on doing, you know? Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, that uh, makes sense. So sometimes it'll, you know, not do what you wanted it to do. But the slider is like the pitch you're, other than the fastball, it's supposed to be the easiest pitch to command. I mean, that's the thing that kind of almost goes 0-0. It's almost the, on pitch FX, it's almost 0-0 because it, it just, you know, kind of, you know, is like a BB almost. But um, uh, his, for some reason, has not been good, even though it has a decent amount of velocity at 87. It's just been giving up a lot of homers. And, um so I think this curveball thing is a big deal. It gives people something else to think about. It gives him another option. Maybe when he's been painted into corners with that slider and felt he had to throw a breaking ball at that point, and that's why they've been gone for homers. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. This guy got the whiffs. He doesn't walk a lot of guys, so he's around the zone. And, um, you know, really at, at some point, some year, he should get a boost from Cleveland and have like a .78 homers per nine and then have – you know, like a Cy Young type season. Exactly. I, I think that's kind of the upside is is that dream season put together for Danny Salazar. Coming into last year, I had uh, issues with, with Michael Walker being taken as basically a top 20 pitcher because he hadn't really done enough, I, I thought, to, to warrant that. And uh, he didn't pan out as, as a top 20 pitcher. But that was more because of injury. He was actually quite good. This year, he's stayed healthy all year, and lo and behold, he is a top 20 pitcher. So maybe the folks that were on that train last year were right. I jumped on the train this year. I always liked him. I just thought he was being a little bit overdrafted, and he's been he's been fantastic. Uh, Waka's got a 308 ERA, 118 whip, and 148 strikeouts in 172 and a third innings. 
113 Ks in his last 19 starts, though, spanning 115 innings. So almost a K per inning there over the bulk of his season after a little bit of a slow start through his first nine. Um, you know, having a great season fantasy-wise, too, because he's also piling up Ws. 16 wins will really help you, you know, kind of outrun uh, the, the lower Ks for, for that many innings, at least in today's game especially. you got to kind of be around that K per inning to be a true ace. But I, I'm still a huge walk of fan. Talking about a guy who's going to be 24 next year, has all the pitches, has all the, the the stuff and the intangibles, the size. I still think that this is an ace in the making. Um, so definitely someone I'm still out there chasing if I can get him on teams where I don't already have him. I'm a big Waka fan. Where, where, where do you stand with him? Yeah, I mean, it, it, when you get those stretches, you start to see that he's finally turning those whiffs because he gets above average whiffs mm-hmm. into strikeouts. And um you know, watching him, you're like, this guy has strikeout stuff. So I just wonder, you know, how much is uh, the team philosophy, you know, the kind of the old Dave Duncan philosophy that's stuck around, um, you know, wanting him to, to to pitch for ground balls, even though his ground ball rate is frankly average. Yeah. And um, and how much of it is like, is, is it suppressing homers as a skill there or is it suppressing homers as a home park or is it suppressing homers you know, at the cost of strikeouts, um, because that's part of what makes him great. If you gave him one homer per nine, he'd be more mid threes uh, with with seven K nine. He would look a lot more like a Jordan Zimmerman, slightly above average. Yeah, like a Jordan Zimmerman. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, so, you know, it is nice to look at those splits, um, but the thing is, I don't really see necessarily. Um, a real change in, in, in pitching mix that... Um, well, for me, I, I, I was... My feeling on it was more from watching a, a, not all nine of those starts, but from some of those starts was that that was the outlier. Uh, that was, you know, he wasn't getting as many strikeouts as uh, his skills deserved in those games, Waka. And then these last 19 are kind of, have kind of caught up to the skills and wh- where he should be, so... I didn't. I didn't look for necessarily a change because I thought it. I thought the strikeouts were kind of due. They were. They, they were coming uh, because of the way he was pitching already, as opposed to something changing after those nine starts that spurred a strikeout surge. That's interesting. Uh, and also, you know, we talked in. Um, or I talked on a 120 Sports thing I did about um, players that may have had bad beginnings and um, have been better recently um, because, you know, John Smoltz always talked about how he hated relieving because, you know, a couple bad outings early in oh, the year. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you're sunk. You're, you just you look bad all year. So if you actually look back, uh, let's say you take out March, April, and May for Waka when he had a 15 and 17% strikeout rate. Uh, his, his strikeout rate since then, 25%, 26%, 21%, 20%. So uh, he's he's been legit uh, a K per nine guy for four months. I guess that's your 19 starts, but um, uh, you know. And if you look at the back that far in terms of usage, uh, he went to the fastball more after the first two months. And I don't know why that would work so well, uh, but um, maybe it just you know means that um, he's getting ahead more. And uh, and he can use that change in curve off the plate more uh, to get swinging strikes because 
One thing I did realize recently, uh, looking at swing uh, swing strike rates, and, and these aren't swings, um, these aren't whiffs over all pitches, they're whiffs over swings. Okay. But still, um, I looked at whiffs over swings in the zone and out of the zone for each pitch type. The sliders got one of the, the lower um, uh, differences. Like, people actually throw sliders for whiffs in the zone. Um, but change-ups and curves, the the difference was huge. You you throw your change-up and your curve off the plate to get whiffs. I mean, that sounds like baseball 101 to some people, but it's meaningful. It means that you have to get ahead because if you're just trying to – like you could be a guy with good stuff that never gets ahead and you're trying to throw your change and your curve off the plate and instead you're just walking everybody. I mean, think about like an Alan Webster type who I've been talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy ha- obviously has a good change, and I think he has a good breaking ball, but he just can't get ahead. So you don't see the strikeout numbers, and he you, you might not even see the whiff numbers because he's he can't he doesn't have the chance to throw it off the plate. So maybe uh, would would really help with Waka was was just using the fastball more, concentrating on that, uh, you know, getting ahead and uh, and being able to put away people with his, his secondary pitches. Uh, it's, yeah, can- it's hard for me. I don't really know exactly what it is, but you know. Again, you can just look at the stuff a little bit and say, all right. Oh, and his biggest ground ball rates were in March, April, and May. So, you know, there was maybe a little bit of a change in approach. Shift in theory. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that would that would show. Like I said, I didn't go back looking for one uh, with him. I was, I was just waiting. I kept seeing, you know, several of those first nine games that he had had, you know, 10% swinging strike rates and, you know, two strikeouts, one strikeout, four strikeouts. It's like, what's going on? I just kind of thought they'd, they'd, they'd come, stuck with him, acquired him actually in a couple other spots and and got the big run. So Watkins had a great year. Definitely someone I'm still, again, trying out there, uh, going out there trying to acquire. This next guy is, is probably the, the worst one yet uh, from a statistic. Excuse me. From a statistical standpoint, this year, uh, because of his gaudy whip, that's Carlos Rodon. He's got a 3.78 ERA, a 143 whip, and 135 strikeouts in 133 and one-third innings. Weird that all of these guys have one-third innings. Uh, mm. That's just a pattern that I noticed for no reason. But Rodon uh, is definitely going to be attainable because these numbers aren't going to jump off the page. Just depends how much of a prospect hound, you know, the guy that you're you're trying to trade with. Is but over his last seven, he was closing really strong. It's just seven starts, but he's he's looked great, kind of like the prospect that he was uh, expected to be. Rodon has a 166 ERA, 101 whip, and 45 strikeouts in 48 and two thirds innings. Uh, interestingly, the strikeouts have dropped as he's you know kind of found more more success. The the big difference, of course, though, is the walk rate. It's down at eight percent, which still isn't great, but manageable for somebody with with his you know un, unhittable stuff compared to 13 percent in his first 85 innings this season. So Rodon, you know, is kind of learning on the fly here and, and showing progress in season. Uh, it's definitely not a finished product, so I don't know that you're guaranteed. Obviously, you're not guaranteed anything, but it might not even be great next year. It might be more of a long-term buy. It might still might still be some hiccups next year with that whip. Um, but I like what I've been seeing out of, out of his stuff. Like I said, it can be unhittable at times. Absolutely, lefties have no chance against him. If he can figure out righties at all, Rodon's going to be like you know the ace that that he's been projected to be by by prospect uh, uh, outlets. Yeah, I, I struggle with him a little bit because if you are a lefty fastball slider guy, I want you to have 
plus command because you're going to be doing a lot of back footing and, yeah. uh, you know, he's basically, I mean, in a, in a way, he's got a lot of similarities with Derek Holland. Hey, not, not far off at all. I same, thought he might. Same dirty, stupid mustache, too. <laughs> Neither of well, them can I, grow a mustache. So that, that's I, huge. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I thought uh, Holl- I thought Rodon had more velocity than Holland, but uh, Holland's back up to 93, um, and uh, and Rodon's at 93 too. So um, so you know 93 mile an hour fastball, uh, 30% breaking balls, uh, bad changeup. Uh, I mean it, it's it's a lot like Derek Holland, and you know you could call Derek Holland a success, right? From a, a team perspective, there's a it's a good pitcher. He has good games. You wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't be sad to start him in maybe the second or third game of a of a uh, of a um, postseason series. But at the same time, if Carlos Rodon turns into Derek Holland, I don't think his owners uh, are going to be that excited. That's a fair point. And so, I mean, I'm left, you know, trying to read the tea leaves. Uh, the changeup, you know, for what it's worth, it has great movement, and it may be doesn't have more fade than a sinker. So that's that's a little bad. But, um, you know, like three, four inches more drop than a sinker, and it goes like eight miles an hour slower. So, uh, I mean, that's what you look for in changeups most of the time. He just doesn't trust it. You know, I mean, you look at that, it's 9%, and he can't command it. Um, so it's a kind of maybe like a lefty McCullers. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's a ball. It's a ball half the time, which means uh, they aren't swinging at it as the worst swing rates of all of his of all of his pitches. And uh, when they swing at it, it gets good whiffs, but it also gives up the most homers of his. So maybe he's hanging them. Maybe uh, he doesn't trust it. Um, you know, for whatever reason, he's still in the Derek Holland phase. And I think tightening up that changeup, especially maybe the command of it, or uh, tightening up the command on his fastballs so that he can get to those changeup counts more often is going to be the key to him. I can't say I like I, I really struggle with him because I think he's going to cost a lot, and I think he's going to cost more than some of the guys we're going to get to. And I don't think I'm necessarily willing to pay that cost because I think I see more few like more adjustments coming for him than some of the guys we're going to talk about later. No, that's totally fair. That's why I said yeah, you're not necessarily going to get that stud season next year. It could take a little longer with with someone like Carlos Rodon, so maybe it's more of a dynasty league situation where where you can afford to be patient for a couple of years. If you're just in you know a standard keeper league where you keep you know a handful every year uh, and go from there, you might not he might not be with your first target for sure. It, lefties can take longer, especially ones with command issues. We'll see if Rodon puts it together, but a lot of there's still a nice foundation here. I, I like a I lot think, of his stuff. Yeah, I mean the slider. He, he threw the slider uh, when I did this query. He, he threw the slider 600 times, um, uh, 630 times. So uh, you know that puts him in a class not quite Tyson Ross. Tyson Ross threw twice. <laughs> uh, Tyson Ross pitched more games, but um, just it puts him in the class of. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of relievers who throw a ton of sliders who get up their strope. Uh, Sonny Gray has thrown 480 sliders this year. Francisco Liriano has thrown 795. Julio Terran has thrown 593. Uh, Garrett Cole, there we go. Garrett Cole has thrown 595 sliders. 
and gotten a 21% whiff rate on those. Uh, Rodon, 630 with a 19.5%. So, like, honestly, it's good. It's, you know, it, you know, people swing at his slider. They don't, he doesn't give up, um, it, it doesn't give up homers. It gets a lot of whiffs. At the same time, it's not elite. Like, Derek Cole has thrown his more and gotten more whiffs. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. Derek Cole has better command. And, and so, you know, I, I would. this is how I would treat Carlos Rodon. I would buy him if it was a buy low. Yeah, like if, if I, somebody is frustrated I, that he didn't ace out in the first year and they're kind of ready to move on, that might be your best situation. But if you do find that guy who's still fully believing long-term and charging you kind of full price – I think you're, I think you're right at that point. Then there are going to be guys that we're going to talk about who will come cheaper. And let me and not to like blow up our our, our queue and, and reach ahead too far, but um, like he, I just want someone to get an idea of what I think is a, is a buy low. Uh, I think if I uh, could offer someone Aaron Nola and Archie Bradley uh, for Carlos Rodon, I would do it. I, I think I would do that. Aaron Nola and Archie Bradley, you say? Yeah. Yeah, I think I would do that too. Uh, I think I might do it with Andrew Haney. Would I do it with Haney plus Nola? Would you do Haney plus Nola for Rodon? That gets a little bit harder because Haney and Nola are kind of high floor guys. I feel like. Yeah, that that is tough. I'm a I'm a I'm a big Haney fan, so right. that one would be tougher for me. So anyway, that's that's a, I think that's a good guide. Is you know if you're you, if you have like you know a little bit extra pitching uh, depth and you kind of want to go for a star, uh, that's the kind of move you could make. I like I like that call. You, you definitely got to feel the waters here on this one. You know, Syndergaard, some Salazar, will, Walker. Will laugh some of you will laugh you out of the room with that offer. I mean, I'm not claiming that. No, that's I, the thing. It, that I know one's going to be no. – <laughs> Rodon's going to be all over the board. Syndergaard, Salazar, Walker, you know they're going to cost you. You're going in right. saying I'm going to pay. That's fine. You're trying to get them and, and then ha- hope they're next year's DeGrom, Arietta, and, you know, wh- whatever, Grinky. Let's get let's get real wacky with it, and hopefully Waka goes all grinky on the league. But you know what I mean. With right. Rodon, we're not necessarily saying he's ready to be in that level next year, and you might still have to pay the same price. So then you just move on and see how much maybe our next guy costs, Carlos Martinez, another guy that you're going in understanding you're probably going to have to pay, but it could still pay off handsomely. Uh, nice season for him. Uh, first one in the rotation for Carlos Martinez, 301 ERA. 128 whip, 184 strikeouts in 179 in the third innings. Obviously, has slowed down uh, in the second half, and you know they're they're trying to manage his innings and they have postseason concerns. Every time it looks like he's about you know really out of gas, he jumps up and and pitches well. You know, I had a couple five inning games, gave up 17 hits to Pittsburgh and Chicago, and it's like, oh man really coming into the finish line, sputtering, and then drops eight, eight innings, one run in Milwaukee with nine strikeouts, six and two-thirds, two runs with six strikeouts against the Cubs. So, you know, maybe he's pushing for one last big big finish here. Carlos Martinez had a great season, no matter how you slice it, though. Been impressed with him, but we still, you know, are there, are there still questions about whether or not he can hold up for a full season? What, what questions were answered for you with him, and do you have any more for next year? Every question was answered. Like I, I'm 100% on board. I wish I had um, trusted the fact that some of his changeups were good in the past and bought him last year. 
mm-hmm. because um, you know he 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 flashed plus on the changeup. He flashed plus, then he got with Pedro Martinez, and now he throws a plus changeup. And so add gross. A, yeah, you add a plus changeup to a plus breaking ball to plus fastball velocity, and. You know, his command isn't that great. I think his, his command is a little bit worse than his uh, walk numbers. I mean, I don't think the walk numbers tell the whole story here, and that might have something to do with why his batting average on balls and plays inflated. I think, you know, sometimes he leaves, leaves, leaves things in bad places. Yeah, he has some big hit games that you would you would watch his stuff normally and, and wonder how that happens, that he has uh, four four games of nine-plus hits, uh, let's see, 12 of seven plus hits. Um, all but one of them was more hits than innings. So yeah, with someone like Carlos Martinez, you, you wouldn't expect that because when he's on, he's nearly unhittable. But when, it, when he misses, that's a great point because the walk rate might mislead folks. They look at a 3.2 walks per nine. Like, oh, that's not too bad. It doesn't tell the full story. Continue. That, that's a great call. And then uh, the, the, the hope and the reason why I would, I would buy him uh, for sure, from anybody, uh, almost at any price, given the knowledge that I don't normally pay for young pitchers. <laughs> Putting that I, out front that I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pay, but I would I do it. <laughs> Putting it out front that I wouldn't do it, I would. I would. Uh, uh, before the All-Star break, he had a 3.6 uh, walk rate per nine. And um, then he met again, he met with uh, with. Uh, Pedro Martinez, who not only told him to switch to a two-seam changeup grip, but also told him uh, to pause more uh, when his when his glove separated, when he separated his hand from his glove, to use that pause uh, to affect his timing and keep his front shoulder closed better. Uh, since that day, his walk rate has been 2.8 per nine. So we don't have a number for command, but uh, I think it's a good sign that he's cut his walks since he's started and he does fly open. I mean, he, he doesn't have the best mechanics on this list for no, sure. Not, not really close either. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Right. He might have the worst. Yeah. Joe, Joe Ross is still, you know, got learned a lot from like his brother. brother. Yeah, yeah. So he's still going to be Max at colors. I, you know, it's kind of a, a herky jerky, like kind of, um, definitely. I would call it high effort. And then yeah. people talk about Severino kind of being like Ross, not using his lower half at all, and just sort of arm arm strengthening it, uh, just just winging it out there with his arm. People say that about Luis Severino. So um, that's your those are your bad mechanics groupings. But uh, Martinez is in his prime. Uh, I think he's he's built up the innings now. Where next year, if there is some talk now about innings, they're not going to be next year. Uh, he's done, he's done well with it. Not really any barking, anything, this or there, not anything that I think is a big deal. And then still, you know, the opportunity to perhaps, uh, improve his command. Uh, you know, I would like to see what his splits on his Babbitt bar real quick. Cause I mentioned this all-star break thing. Um, let's see your first, first half Babbitt, uh, Ooh, 287, second half, 357. So, uh, he hasn't figured out the Babbitt thing yet. Uh, but uh, the good news is that BABIP is, you know, one of those things that nobody's really figured out. And, uh, and a guy like him who actually has a plus ground ball rate and a plus strikeout rate, he should actually have a plus 
strand rate and a plus BABIP according to uh, Sierra Sierra research. So, um, you know, I, 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 you know, Sierra's also going to correct for that home run rate, but he, he, he lives and works in St. Louis and that, that helps with the home run rate. So I love him, man. Uh, yeah, me too. I, I loved him more earlier, but I love him. Yeah. I wish I had jumped on board too, because it's funny to think back now how he costs nothing in drafts. I mean, not not much at all. Not, any sort of, you know, what was it, like a mid-round, uh, a late-round pick, rather, for, for Martinez. You're talking upper teens, low 20s. You, people were just, eh, Carlos Martinez, I'll, I'll take a shot here. 80th starting pitcher off the board uh, right after Kevin Gaussman, right ahead of Willie Peralta. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Willie, had to put you on blast there. Next guy up, somebody you mentioned a little bit earlier as being pretty slider heavy, that's Julio Tehran. Maybe hard to believe that he's still this young because it feels like he's been around for so long, but that just tells you how early he came up. Uh, Tehran will be 25 next year, but uh, has been in the majors, uh, you know, poked around at age 20 and 21, but has been established as a full-timer since age 22. So got we had two great seasons in 2013, 2014, and then this year just fell apart. He's got a 420 ERA, a 130 whip, and 162 strikeouts in 188 and two-thirds innings. He struggled mightily on the road with a 557 ERA and a 159 whip. Lefties are eating him up this year with an 889 OPS. That's up 202 points from last year. That's That's been a big killer. He's closing really strong, though. Uh, outside of New York, blasting him. The, the Yankees blasted him for eight runs at home, unfortunately, because uh, he'd been struggling only on the road. Even with that in there, his last 10 starts, Julio Tehran has a 3.22 ERA in 64 and a third innings, including four road starts, all of them what I would term super quality starts, which means seven plus innings and two or fewer earned runs. So I'm a big Tehran fan. I know a lot of people have jumped off the the bandwagon this year. I understand. I mean, obviously he's, he's hurt fantasy teams. I, I, I got rid of him in a, a couple mixed leagues where I had him in, in the midst of the season. I just included him in trades, but I still like him long-term. Where, where, where are you with him after this uh, ugly year? It's tough because one of the things I've wanted for him is to throw the change up more. And in response, he's thrown the change up less every year. And when he was coming up, I want to say that it was graded out as like a 70-grade pitch at, at one point. He, it was supposed the to reason be I loved him was that he had pitch. a breaking ball plus a changeup, you know? Yes. In his first two years, he threw the changeup 20%. He threw it more than his curve, and, you know, we, I believed him. You know, I, and I believed in it and it, and it got, you know, it got whiffs, uh, at least representative whiffs, 11, 12%. His four seems always been his best pitch, I guess. And I think, you know, now he looks like a totally different pitcher. He's a four seam slider guy who mixes in the change in the curve, um, to, to, to get out, you know, but you know, at his essence, he's a four seam slider guy. And I don't know, that's not as exciting to me. No, yeah, because I, I guess I just didn't realize he'd, he'd changed that much because, yeah, when he came up, you're talking about like a Swiss Army Knife guy who has everything, five, you know, five pitches uh, and, and could really just cut guys up. 
And that's obviously not been the case this year. As I mentioned, lefties obliterating him. Still good against righties. But if he's really kind of dwindled to that, uh, you said fastball slider. Yeah, curves only 11%. Change is 9%. Oh, wait, that was that was uh, over the last two years. Change yeah, 7%, now it's 7% this year. 7, yeah. yeah, oof. That is tough. That, it's that real is. low. I mean, you, you, I, you know, I've asked people when is a pitch a pitch, right? Like when should we believe that the, the, the pitcher believes in the pitch? And I think it's, the cutoff is right around 5% because 5%, if you throw a pitch less than 5% of the time, that means in a given start you throw two. You know yeah, I mean? exactly, exactly. It's, it's not that's almost not a pitch. It's almost like, well, you know, maybe we'll see a change of today. Maybe we won't, you know. Uh, but seven percent, you know, okay, he'll probably throw five or six, maybe seven, you know, in a start, and you know, he's using them judiciously. But at his heart, you know, what is it? Sixty-five percent of his no. Plus, you have to add sinkers. Uh, sixty-five, eighty-five percent of his pitches are fast are fastballs or sliders. Yeah, that's so disappointing. It's so weird. I mean, it I, is I, bizarre I, because that changeup was was so good. Again, I, look, I, at, I, look at where he was in 2011. He didn't throw a sinker. Uh, he threw a curve and a change, and he only threw the four, the fastball 65 percent of the time. Didn't even have that slider yet. It, what when was that? 2011. Yeah, that that was a tiny sample though. We're they were talking 20 innings on that one. Right. All right. So. Uh, 2013 really? was his his debut season. That that was the, our first full look at him, and uh, he threw yeah, the. Thought, I mean, but obviously when he first came up, he didn't think the slider was a, was a great pitch, and he was throwing what he thought was his best, even in a small sample. I mean, this that's a debut, right? He's like, yeah. here, this is who I am. But even since even since uh, 2013, curve has gone from 11 to seven. Uh, the change, which I more. Disappointing for me is that the change never went up more. I mean, it's five, eight, seven, and it's he, he, the change has just always been like a, a, a afterthought for him. And then so the uh, yeah, the four seam went up from last year to this year, and so I, I don't know. I, so, I I I think he's a fastball guy, and the fastball velocity is dropping. And other than you know the actual, other than the uh, the velocity on the pitch, the the movement on it is not very special. No, and that um, yeah, I know if the fastball is, and and obviously the the velocity will continue to go down, and that will become problematic. I just wonder if, as he if he realizes that you know going to run into a roadblock with the fastball, will he bring the the other pitches back? You know, I don't yeah. think that they're gone. I, yeah, that's I mean that's a, that's what the normal pitcher does as he ages. He starts throwing more junk. So that it does represent hope because I do think his other pitches are good. So. Yeah, I I still like him. And this is a guy, this is where you can buy low. Because, again, these are, you know, Carlos Rodon is still toting a sub for ERA and, and, you know, really fresh prospect. This is a guy now who, after two good years, kind of cratered ugly numbers on the page. I think you can get him at a a much lower price than than he's worth. I would go out and, and acquire Julio Tehran. Although also admitting, like you did, that I don't usually run out and, and acquire a ton of pitchers in the offseason. I don't, I don't love keeping pitching either, but that doesn't mean I won't make exceptions, and this would definitely be, be an exception yeah. here. I, I think I've, I'm, I'm softening on that a little bit. Uh, you know, that, that, uh, that, that league I was so excited about that uh, I spent like 85% on hitting and had Jorge Soler in my utility slot. 
you know, that that league uh, didn't work out so well for me. I mean, I'm I'm going to be third, I think. Um, I have an ch- outside chance at second, but I've won that league like every year. And so, um, you know, that and some arguments about Clayton Kershaw, I'm I'm uh, I'm not necessarily going to change completely, but I think um, I may take an ace a little bit earlier than I have in the past. Uh, score sheet playing score sheet has changed me a little bit. Um, you just have to get pitchers in score sheet. This was the year I fell in love with score sheet. By the way, I yeah, you really, really have learned a lot more about it, and it's a lot of fun. You do need pitching though. Yeah, you cannot. You you can platoon your way and and, and fake yourself for four and a half runs a game. Uh, and if you got the horses, you can you can do fine. But you gotta have pitching, and re- especially the relief pitching too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you know, there are some places where, uh, and it, and the and the deeper you get, the more keepers you have, the more that has to be pitching. I mean, I'll still say, um, you know, keep five situation. I'm probably not keeping a pitcher. Keep six. Um, then I like to have a pitcher. I think because I think there'll be people who have two pitchers, and I don't want to have. A pitcher, my best pitcher, be twentieth best. I even think in like a six keeper situation in in the current climate, you could see a lot of teams with upwards of three pitchers because there are so many of these young, alluring pitchers that, that people want to keep. It might not be all the, the those might not be the optimal decisions for those teams, but those are still going to be the decisions that they make. So yeah, I think in a six situation, I might even be ready to go four two. Uh, unless I just had too many overwhelming hitter keepers, it, you know. It, again, it's all league dependent. Depends on what you're looking at, yeah. But generally speaking, uh, I do prefer to go hitters. Tehran does not figure in for me for either of those. It's not. It's not. It would have to be probably. Uh, I think I might be interested in a keep ten situation, where yeah. for uh, me Tehran can can represent maybe my third or fourth pitcher, and. Um, you know, I think there's upside, and and it costs me a non-keeper, maybe. Like you could probably trade if you're in a keep ten situation, and you're looking at a weird tenth situation where it's like some pitchers that are old, and you don't know if you want to keep them, and you know, like what's a, what's a good example of an old guy that um, like maybe you have a Jeff Samarja in that spot, right? And, don't make me <laughs> that guy. <laughs> but and maybe. Then- I don't know if I want to do Jeff Samarja. I don't know where he's going to sign. Uh, yeah. I don't know if he's ever going to fix the homer problem. Uh, I would say that Tehran's a little bit better of a bet to rebound. He's younger. Um, he's in a better park. We know where he's going to be next year, quote-unquote. And Yeah, uh, bar- barring trade, but they're not going to trade him. He's part of their future. Right. So I think if you if you have another hitter that's in that group with Jeff Samarja, you offer the hitter to the Tehran guy, maybe keep Tehran over Samarja. That's the kind of thing I would do. I, yeah, I think that, that that's I'd fair. Be with. Um, yeah. I was going to say, I, I'm here, I hear you on like the six where you just kind of keep your best six. No, but when you're talking about dollar situations or round keep situations, yeah. then he might play in if he was, if, although he wouldn't be cheap dollars. That's the thing. Coming into this year, Tehran wasn't going to be low dollar, so that might not even be in play either. So it would have to be a, a larger situation like you're talking about, either NL only or, or mixed where you're keeping a bigger pool. But I, I do like Tehran. Definitely someone I'll be investigating a lot this, this offseason to see what's up and, uh, you know, Obviously, if I see something to the contrary, I won't recommend him, but I have a feeling that he'll be a heavy recommendation next year. All right, we got to pick up the pace a little bit because you do have to go soon, and we still got plenty of guys to talk about. 
Next up is Taiwan Walker, another guy who, you know, the numbers aren't going to jump off the page as positive, which could could lower the price for sure. 456 ERA, 120 whip, 157 strikeouts and 169 and two-thirds innings. 733 ERA in his first nine starts, 362 in his last 20. Completely arbitrary split because I think that that seven cutoff or, or what did I say nine? I think that ninth was was another you know blasting that he took where he gave up you know buttload of runs in, in very few innings and then I think that tenth start was eight shutout innings. So yeah, definitely used the favorable cutoff there. But pretty much <laughs> since that point, um, honestly, you could really do his first five starts where, where, where the real trouble was he started to kind of get his footing a little bit throughout May and then capped off May with that big start, eight, eight shutout inning, two hit, eight, two hit shutout innings against Cleveland. And then he took off, hit another little rough patch in July where he faced Detroit, uh, the angels and Detroit in a three start string. That was back when the angels were capable. And, uh, he went five, six and five earned runs, then got good again. And then it was really only had two bad starts in the second half, uh, one against the White Sox and then one against the Rangers. And obviously one against the Rangers, pretty excusable. They hit three homers. Uh, White Sox, eh, yeah, guys have bad starts. But either way, it's been kind of an up and down season. You can kind of see the, the ups and downs within his game log pretty clearly. Uh, there's still plenty to like. Again, with all these guys, there's a nice foundation of things to like. But I think this profile – uh, with his first full season, probably took a few more hits than it did, uh, you know, gain proponents. Obviously, the results play a role there. But where do you stand with him from from a skill standpoint uh, and giving him a break for, for a higher ERA as a 22-year-old? I really like a split change. Um, and I think his curve is, is pretty decent, too. Uh, and it's nice to have two pitches that raise to that level of, of out-pitchiness. Yes. Uh, plus plus velocity. So, uh, I, you know, I think there's some tinkering to be done. Um, you know, I, the narrative I constructed when I uh, looked at him earlier was that he'd um, cut his cutter usage and that had improved his command. Um, and at the time, it looked like it, locks, like it was a lock for that being true. And he, he did throw the cutter more in the first half. Uh, and had a better walk rate in the second half when he was throwing the cutter less. So, you know, there's some possible whiff of truth around that. Um, but it's not so linear because um, he did the second highest month of cutter usage uh, came probably right after I uh, wrote that article, came in <laughs> uh, July. Um, so he has cut it a little bit again since. I'm just, you know... I don't know that he needs the cutter. You know, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I guess maybe he thinks he needs something that's hard, that moves differently uh, because the curve and splitter is soft and he's got that four seam. I can see why he thinks he needs it. Um, but you'd think that a four seam curve and split would be enough. And you'd think that a guy with command issues maybe uh, should simplify. Um, so exactly. You know, and yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and you were wondering, I kept kind of wondering if that was going to happen at any point this year when he was really struggling out of the gate. Taiwan Walker, you know, was supposed to be kind of the, the second to Felix uh, until Iwakuma got back and then bumped down to three. And then you're going Felix, Iwakuma, Taiwan Walker as a one, two, three that was supposed to take him to the playoffs. And obviously all that has fallen apart. 
at least Walker kind of got his season back on track with with, with some nice summer uh, months there. Yeah, and the whiff rate and the strikeout rate are good, and the walk rate for the season looks good. But you know this is another one of these uh, secretly bad command guys. 100%. And I think the way you see it is it's, it's, it's like the Salazar thing. Why does a guy with the two, uh, two walks per nine and a high 90s fastball um, have give up 1.3 homers per nine? Like, when you look at Dan Heron, you say, uh, why does a guy with the two walks per nine give up, you know, one and a half walk, uh, homers per nine? Well, because he's throwing slop. He's throwing 70s. Yeah, 38% yeah. of his pitches are batting practice. Yeah, you, you understand that with Dan Heron. When you look at Tywin Walker, the, the, the answer has to be either deception or command. And with that delivery, I think it's got to be command. Like, I don't think that people are, like, picking up the ball out of Tywin Walker's hand that well because uh, it's a little herky-jerky, too. So I think it's command. Uh, the only thing that I've read about command getting better is, is or, or that I've talked to players about is, is just repetition, repeating. Maybe the cutter is important to him, and then a year's worth of working on the cutter, because the cutter is sort of a new thing for him. So maybe a year's worth of working on the cutter will um, give him that pitch that sort of ties everything together, and he can command it better. He's in the right park to overcome a home run per nine issue. So maybe he's just going to be a guy who has weird home and away splits for a little bit. Um, but even if you look at steamer rest of season, for right now, as a as like sort of a preview for next year, uh, 3.7 ERA, 1.2 WHIP, uh, 8.4 strikeouts per nine, 2.8 walks per nine, you know, 1.1 homers per nine. That's um, that's a number two, I think, almost in any league. Yeah, number I mean, that, two number three. I would say three with if uh, you said 3.72 ERA. Yeah, the ERA is a little high. Yeah, I think I think with that, but the the WHIP is pretty good for that ERA, and again, I think they're. Still, there's still plenty of upside here, but we're going to be talking about a 23-year-old only going into a second full season as a pro. Okay, well, so pick Walker or Tehran. I got my answer. I know you do. I'm I'm still going to go with Tehran. I've got I've got two great seasons, and and this year it hasn't been good, but it's not all busted. You know, the the it's still great at home. Um, Closing strong. Uh, I still I still like a lot of, of what I'm seeing out of Tehran, even in a down year. So I'm going to stick with him. I imagine you're going Walker. Uh, you know, I, then I, I switched back over. I, I was going Walker when I was looking at Walker's page. And then I switched back over to uh, Tehran's page. And Tehran is actually running a better whiff rate than Taiwan Walker in all three of his last seasons. I mean, the, the, the 2013-14 seasons were, were really good for Ta- – like, they were excellent. I'm, I'm not even going to say really good. I'm going to say they're excellent. Last year, he was, a, he was a fantasy ace. 221 innings of a 289 ERA and a 108 whip. The year before was 320 and 117. That's a fantasy number two for 186 innings. Strikeouts are never a strikeout per inning, but they're, they're fine representative, as, uh, as you like to say. So, you know. I, I, one, I'm still a big fan of Tehran. He's one year older. That's it. One year and older. That, that's the thing, too, is, you know, like I said, he's going to feel older because he's been around for so long, quote unquote, so long. But, um, you know, and they get that prospect fatigue. I think Walker's probably on the cusp of that, too, where folks are kind of getting tired of him as if he's had any real time to kind of show anything. This is his first full season. He had 38 innings last year, 15 innings in the majors last year, or uh, two years ago. And yet I think some people might 
you know, kind of be getting tired of Walker where uh, you probably need a longer leash. It, it'd be a tough decision between those two, but I still like Tehran. Yeah, I mean, uh, let cost decide then, I guess. You know, let uh, yeah, rounds definitely. or dollars or acquisition cost. I mean, I think, um, you know, they're both guys with 10% whiff rates, which is nice for a starter. They're both guys who have, you know, to varying degrees, okay, walk rates in their past. I think uh, Tehran's have been better. Um, you know, Tehran's uh, league situation is better. Walker's uh, park situation is better. Parker, park, uh, Walker has more velocity and perhaps better out pitches in general. Uh, Tehran has better command, uh, we're assuming. Better health profile. Better Walker health. was injured most of last year, wasn't he? Yeah. So. so yeah, I mean, it, I think you're right. You got to let the cost decide because yeah, a much cheaper Walker, I would have, I would flip at that point. But if, but if all else is equal, um, yeah, I, I think I'm going. I think I'm going with Tehran. Let's jump over to Lance McCullers, the name you invoked earlier. Uh, I believe you, when we were talking about Rodon, obviously a right-handed version is what McCullers might be. But this would be the high end of it because McCullers has been fantastic. With a 318 ERA, a 122 whip, and 107 strikeouts, and 107 and two-thirds innings, he has a reverse split where lefties are really uh, having trouble with him, and a home road split uh, this year. You know, it's small sample with 107 two-thirds innings, but 161 ERA at home, 488 on the road. Although that's heavily influenced by that one pounding that he took. Uh, in Texas, where I think he made two outs and gave up eight or nine runs, and that you know was promptly sent out uh, for three weeks after that. Actually, six runs, made one out. Uh, that's when he was sent down to the minors for three weeks to just kind of breathe, take a break. He's come back. He's been great. So I don't put too much stock in that home road split at all uh, now that I think about that. Uh, I, I just looked at it, and I'd kind of forgotten about the Texas outing. McCullers is really impressed this year. I wasn't even sure that he was going to make the majors at any point this year. Not only has he made it, but he's been an impact pitcher. He's going to be 22 years old next year. We, we, we've talked him up uh, already at different points. Are you still very bullish on him going forward? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I pause. I, I watched him again recently, and um, I think that uh, there's – I would like to see something here. Swing percentage. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's down. Uh, people are. I guess the book now is not don't swing. To push the walks up. Yeah. So and I mean, and, and play up more of that. Then that that comparison with Rodon becomes even more apt. And I'm looking at it. Yeah, his last four starts are all multi walk outings. He has several outings, does uh, McCullers, nine of them. Nine of his 19 starts have been three-plus walks. So another guy where you look at a 3-3 walk per nine and you might be uh, a little bit misled. Is that what you're suggesting? A little bit. And also, like, people were swinging at uh, his change in curve more than half the time at one point in the season. And those are really high percentages. The the curve has a 39% swing rate. Um, across baseball, and his curve so far this year is a 46% swing rate. Now, it's a really good curve, and part of that might be that it comes in really hard and you know, gives people the the idea that it's not a curve, and so they swing at it. But uh, if you then look at 
the monthly breakdown, um, the lowest swing percentages for the change in the curve. And the change this month, 28%. So, um, you know, they're definitely laying off it. And the one thing that we always said about McCullers was that he can't command the change. Um, it's, it's a very movie pitch. Uh, it's a ball 55% of the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, the swing percentage is down to 39%, which is low for a change, and it, and it might even go lower. And we may see uh, some struggles for him because if people aren't swinging to turn his strikes into balls, uh, then he, he'll get he, those, those, those old uh, walk rates are going to come back. So, yeah, there's a little more risk here than I thought at first um, because we'll have to see what happens as the swing rate goes down. But I'll definitely, I like him a lot better than his projections still. I, I, I think a guy with his kind of stuff and track record isn't going to start walking five for nine, I don't think. I certainly hope not. But we, you know. We've seen we've seen Rodon do it, so hope, hopefully uh, that he McCullers can stop that comparison just shy of of walking nearly five guys per nine innings. All right, for the next uh, little group here, I'm going to have you just pick your favorite of these three guys: Luis Severino. Or, hey, listen, what? Who's listening at this point? Let's 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 just split this into two two days. Okay, that's a good idea. I guess we are coming up on an hour. So, yeah, yeah let's, we, we still let's have. Do, let's do a couple more pitchers today, and then. The second one can be uh, can also talk about some guys that maybe aren't on our list that yeah. um, we'll stop might... after this last one. We're gonna do one. We're gonna do Severino because he's pitched. He's making impact this year. The rest of the guys, most of the rest of these guys, are, are, are rung down, and we can kind of cut it here. Uh, so let's talk Severino, and then you're right. We'll, we'll cut it. We'll add some more starters, and then we still have some relievers we want to discuss too, believe it or not. Uh, again, it would be a situation where you keep a lot and maybe relievers come into play. But, yeah, let's let's talk Severino. Uh, he's been really impressive this year. 312 ERA, 134 whip, 45 strikeouts in 43 and a third innings. Toronto blasted him. Uh, six runs in two and uh, two and a third inning. He has a 198 ERA in his other 41 innings. That's how much, obviously, one bad start can spoil a small sample. And it's not really spoiled, but uh, you know, from 198 to 312 in the ERA is a pretty substantial jump. I've been so impressed with with Severino. You know, I kind of laughed it off a little bit when it was rumored that you know, this was their piece. This was their their trade guy. Uh, they they weren't going to make any moves with him. They were going to bring him up, and, and he was going to be the guy for them. Well, he's been the guy for them outside of that bad start against Toronto, and he, he b- bounced it out with a great start in Toronto. Um, he's been the guy for them. He's been fantastic. Now this Tanaka-Severino combo is looking pretty good. If they can get Ivaldi back, all of a sudden you know they have a rotation that isn't embarrassing. Love what Severino's doing at age 21. What do you see for him at age 22 and beyond? Um, yeah, I think I, I still see some growth that comes in the in the form of his slider. Um, he he kind of he has like two sliders or something. It's something that that came up in his first in his first start when I tried to write about it. Um, I think he might have a cutter and a slider or something like that, where he's got one slider that that dips a little bit more and is a little bit slower. And um, I think that slider is not very useful for him because um, you know. It doesn't move a lot, and it's 90, and it doesn't differentiate from the fastball enough um, in terms of uh, in movement. I think you know it's because his four seems a little bit straight. You know, it's only it, the 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 slider 
you know, then gets a little bit closer. Uh, the, the, the harder slider doesn't move as much. I don't know. I, it's, I don't know what it is about that. I think, I think it's a really good sign that as the season has gone on, he's, his slider has dropped more. And I think that means that he's probably dropping. It's really hard to know when a guy's dropping a second slider that's only being, you know, you know what I mean? Like, he has two sliders. You know, what's happening with the fact that the slider movement, you know, is, he's, he's getting more drop on it. Does it mean he's stopped throwing the other slider? What's going on in there? It's, it's, it's yeah, a little bit of a black box in there. but It's, it's particularly think, tough with the short sample as well. Right, yeah. Uh, and we may see some reclassification of some of his pitches if they if they take a harder look at, at his stuff. So um, I think then you might find that he's actually a four pitch pitcher with a Mac cutter, a really good slider, a pretty good change, and um, uh, a big booming fastball with a decent amount of rise. So uh, I yeah I like him a lot. Um, you know Keith Law and some other guys have talked about how he's all arms, but I mean, he's kept up the velocity all, all this year. And there have been other guys who've debuted and seen way more velocity loss since, you know, over the course of the season, because the debut is worth, that's what I wrote about was that the debut effect is worth about a mile, mile per hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, maybe he's not going to average 97 for a season, but he's basically still managed 95, 96 since. So he's just going to have big velocity. I believe in the change-up, and I think the slider is improving. So uh, that was a long-winded way of saying I like Luis Severino. I don't think that, you know, for example, like when you compare him to like Lance McCullers, I don't think – I think he's a higher floor guy than Lance McCullers because he's never shown as many problems with command, and he's a little bit more fully formed. Like Lance McCullers' change-up is a year old, basically. It's just a baby. And, you know, Luis Severino's been tinkering with these two sliders for a while. Uh, the changeup's always been there for him, uh, so I think, you know, he's further along. It, yeah, I don't. I'm not, I know that Severino's younger than McCullers, but sometimes those things don't matter. I mean, people talk about Julio Urias being a fully formed pitcher and not needing a lot more time because he all of his pitches are refined and he knows when to use them. You know what I'm saying? Like he is so ridiculous. By the way, that's going to be the big phenom next year. That I think is going to turn baseball on its head I, I i i think i understand that when people say that about your eyes being fully formed you know maybe not a hundred percent but enough to come in step in right away and be impact which is going to be very exciting next year the changeup was the big thing that i loved about severino coming up and you know two years ago in the starting pitcher guy and i was like oh he's you know light years away because he was 20 years old and i, I didn't <laughs> think he was going to be coming up well i i kind of poke fun at myself you know, in this year's guide saying, well, so much for that. And I guess that's why when, you know, the guys who study this, like Kylie McDaniel, the prospect Mavens, when they can't even tell you a guy, they have no idea when a guy is going to come up. They mean it. Of course, I don't have the answer either. So I'm just speculating. And then it's, it just depends on the pitcher or on the player and the team. And all of a sudden we got a 21 year old like this making a huge impact. You just don't see it as often, but it is happening more, right? We're seeing these guys come up younger and make bigger impacts. Obviously, this year's been a, a huge case study in that with the rookies. But uh, maybe we need to adjust overall, or do you still think it's more of special cases? No, I think you just I think you should uh, pay special pay special attention when um, scouting types say something like that. Um, I think it should change our opinion of when your eyes is going to be ready for the big leagues because 
you know, to hear something like the word polish attached to an 18 year old. It's crazy. I think you have to, your ears have to perk up and you have to say, you know, if there are other analysts out there saying, oh, Urias is far away, he's only 18, you should say, well, why don't you trade him to me then? Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and you know what it also means? It means that he's on the table next year in redraft leagues as, you know, a late, a late pick. Oh, definitely. If you've got the patience, I, I always laugh. I, I have one guy in one of my leagues who always takes these guys in the draft and never has the patience to see them past tax day. <laughs> Took Noah Syndergaard this year. W- kept telling me how great he was, you know, like like he discovered him. But, I was, you know, he's like, God, I got Syndergaard, man. It's going to be great. I'm really excited. Uh, this, that, and the other. It's going to be dominant. Cuts him. I don't even remember for who. I can go back and look it up. I'm sure it's hilarious. <laughs> you know, he had to get that that big spot start out of uh, Rick Porcello. Um, you know, it, whatever it was. Then, of course, May 12th, he comes up. So, yeah, do that next year. Only if you have the patience. Otherwise, you're just going to kick yourself. Because, yeah, I do believe Urias is going to come up and be ready to contribute right away, fantasy-wise and, of course, for the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. All right, Eno, let's go ahead and get out of here. you got to get to the yard, get that Adrian Beltre interview. We'll talk more pitchers on Thursday. If you have any young pitchers you want us to talk about, feel free to send them on Twitter, at Sporer, at Eno Saris, 25 and under. Again, attainable, acquirable guys, not necessarily your Jose Fernandez. Is I, I keep referencing him because he's the the, the top one uh, who would fit this age bracket. But, yeah, we'll take suggestions. we got a handful left, but we could definitely use a couple more if there are special guys out there that you want discussed. Otherwise, you know, have a great time at the yard, and we'll talk Thursday. Yes, thank you guys for listening. These are a lot of fun. I love talking, pitching with you, Paul. And um, I hope we're, we've done enough about hitting over the years. Over the year that you uh, that uh, this is just a, a special joy and not uh, oh god, they're talking about pitching again. <laughs> no, I I, th- I think we've done a good enough balance that they'll let us indulge for two episodes this week uh, to talk full pitching. <laughs> oh, good because uh, I was going to just change the entire format over to just pitching all the time the rest <laughs> of the offseason. So. Uh, I mean, during the off season, it probably is going to be mostly pitching. For those of you that, if there are anybody out there that doesn't like pitching, the off season could be trouble for you, because I'm going to be well, writing the SP guide, and what do you think I'm going to be bringing to the table every week? My findings. So, uh, all well, right, I know. get better at my hitting analysis. Uh, if you if you are looking for hitters to break out, I did do a piece today uh, that used the Votto interview uh, to to identify guys. And guess who's at the top of the list? My man crush, Mr. Solaire. Dude, but, uh, it has to happen, right? Is that is is? Do you think his stock has lo- uh, lowered enough, Solaire's, that uh, that he could be had for, for you know a, a much better price? Now, I guess that's so vague. What, what does that even mean? But do you think he's going to be a buy low? He's. I can't get him in my twenty team, twenty eight keeper dynasty league where uh, I wanted to trade like Justin Upton and some other pieces for for him and some other pieces. Uh, so you know, there are some leagues where people like treat youth as you know unassailable uh but uh and you'll have to probably talk to someone who doesn't listen to this podcast or read me <laughs> or follow me on twitter that's uh, true but but if you get one of those two things which is not impossible and isn't uh, a cubs fan of course i'm that's the obvious <laughs> caveat but you know a cubs fan is like no no still full price actually even more 
Uh, by yeah, the way, I wasn't. We'll we'll, fit, we'll we'll get your piece because uh, well, I want to talk about some of these other guys on Thursday. So we'll, we might wiggle in some hitting, but I love that Nick Castellanos made the list, and that's all I'm going to say. But we, we we do definitely have to go now. Well, you know what? We'll have to we'll have to have some sort of uh, organized approach to the offseason. We'll probably cut down to to once a week, and um, maybe we'll go position by position or something, um, and uh, help you dynasty leaguers in the offseason. So this is just kind of. Um, something we thought might be helpful, uh, you know, when you're sort of looking at droppers on your team and, and who you need to keep around in your dynasty league and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, if you have any specific questions, if you just want us to, um, you know, table the, the under 25 SPs for next week and, uh, just do streamers, uh, and turn into a streaming podcast for the last day, uh, next week, uh, this week, then we can do that because, you know, you know, we want you guys to, to get the most use out of this uh, during the season. We're going to have all offseason to talk about a lot of these guys. So, um, you know, if you want us to talk about just what's going to happen next week because you guys are all in your finals of your head-to-head leagues, uh, that's a possible possibility too. Yeah, definitely let us know. Twitter is the best way to let us know those things, uh, and, and we will take it from there. Uh, all right, you know, have a good one. We'll talk Thursday. All right. Thanks for listening.